Well, we'll be in Colossians 1, verses 9 through 12. Now, it's four verses, but two sentences. Somehow Paul found a way to write so eloquently that he wrote very long for three verses. What we see here is a prayer, um, and he'll be praying a prayer for the Colossians. But before we get into it, Paul here is, um, forgive me, that was the wrong page. I don't know what I was about to say. But, you know, as we live, we all have different things in which we wish we knew the plan or the will of God for our life very clearly. I know for a lot of seminary kids, we are like that. We want to know the steps, the plans, where am I going, and God usually only gives us a little bit here and there. Um, or, you know, when do I leave my job? When do I, you know, when am I going to have a spouse? We, we struggle through knowing the will of God, and we struggle through really uh, knowing our purpose sometimes. And here in this scripture that we'll be reading today, Paul is addressing uh, a couple of things. Uh, he's going to talk about God's will, um, God's plan, and God's purpose for our life. Can you turn me down just a little bit? Sorry. That, if I keep doing that, it'll just keep coming in my head. But we'll be in verses 9 through 12. Let me go ahead and read this real quick, and then we'll unpack it. It says, For this reason, also, since the day we heard this, we haven't stopped praying for you. We are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance and the light. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, I just pray that you would be with me and that you would illumine this text for us and help us to see what Paul was saying to the Colossians, Lord, and that we can apply it accurately and correctly. And Lord, I pray that you would be glorified and that your will will be done in this service. Amen. So Paul starts out by saying, for this reason, since the day we heard this. So what is this this that Paul is speaking of. Well, prior to this passage, Paul is talking about the Colossians and their great faith, the love they had for one another, and then the hope they had uh, in Christ. And it goes on that he says that they had heard about this gospel, and so they're exhibiting fruit from it, and they're growing from it. And so Paul is saying, since I had heard this, I have not stopped praying for you. And Paul now is hearing about the spiritual um, condition from Epaphras, and he says, I'm going to pray for you. I will not stop praying for you. And um, it, it's important language here. When I first read it, it's really funny. I just think, well, this guy just sits there 24-7, just prays for them all day. But that's not exactly what he's saying. He's just saying that when I pray, in my prayers, I make mention of you, whether that be one time a day or five times a day. He's uh, consistent in his prayer. And one thing to note, too, is that he's in prison. And while he's writing this in prison, we, say, we see kind of how he 
um, lives his life out. He lives it uh, writing. He lives it uh, praying and probably preaching um, the word of God as well. And so we see that he is um, not stopped praying for them. And there's so much here. And just in that one little phrase, have not stopped praying um, for, for us. Uh, this should be of encouragement. Um, I would like us to use this as a mirror. So if, um, if we think of it as a mirror, see yourself and think of a situation you're going through right now. It can be a good situation or a bad situation, uh, hopefully not life-threatening, but life-threatening or non-life-threatening for someone that you know, and say that you've heard about this problem. And I'm Curious, since you have heard about this problem or this great news, have you been in constant prayer about it? I know a lot of us, if we're honest, we uh, get a problem and then we pray about it and then nothing happens. And so we're like, okay, we're going to pray about it again. And then nothing happens. I haven't heard from the Lord on this. And then we pray about it again and we get nothing. And then we're like, well, it must be God's will that this doesn't happen. And we give up. But Paul here is, is... for many, many months, I mean, I don't know exactly how long he's prayed, but he's praying for the Colossians all the time. And so this should be a, of encouragement for us to not get discouraged in our prayers, but to keep pressing forward, to keep praying for that problem. And also we see that we should pray for one another. He uh, is in constant prayer, either with um, a church he started or a church like this that he's heard of and has gotten news from, and now he's praying for them. And in turn, we should also be praying for one another. Um, As we get other problems, as we hear from people, we should rejoice together, and we should be praying for one one another. And we can see that Paul has used this, this, what is this uncomfortable situation, being in prison, that just doesn't sound comfortable to me. Um, But he's using it, and he's using his time to pray for one another, and to let them know that I have not stopped praying for you. So Paul hears of this great faith, their faith, their hope, their love, it's all positive. So it's interesting to me that he hears of these positive things and he doesn't say, well, I guess we'll just, you know, they seem fine. They seem spiritually okay. I'm going to pray for somebody else. He says, no, we, we need to, I heard of your prayers or your faith, But now I want you to press forward, and I'm going to petition to the Lord that you would grow in your faith. And so he says, we have not stopped praying for you. And he says, we are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and understanding. And when I first read this, I was like, that sounds great. That's beautiful. His will, wisdom, understanding, we need that. And then I was like, what? Does that even mean? And I was, um, I probably beat myself up way too long over that text, but um, it's really, really such a deep ask. I mean, he's telling them that, um, he's telling the Colossians on, I'm going to God on your behalf and I'm asking him that he fill you with the knowledge of God's will. To be filled here means to fully know God um, for themselves and to have the gospel of Jesus living in them. And this is not simply just knowledge of God and his existence, but being able to, um, yes, comprehend it, but to live it out and to know the Father's will of Jesus, who, uh, the Father who sent Jesus and saved us, and to know that for ourselves, 
to understand the redemption that we have in our, our life. And Paul is praying that you would take that knowledge uh, and to understand his will. And there are two passages that we will get into in Colossians. I won't break them down because that's someone else's job. But he brings it up. And many times in Colossians, Paul uses terms and explains God indwelled and filled Jesus with his fullness. And in uh, chapter 2, verses 1 to 3, Paul is emphasizing this understanding and God and a knowledge of God in a mystery. And that mystery that he's talking about is Christ. And Christ is the fullness in which they and we can have spiritual knowledge and understanding and wisdom. And as we'll learn in a minute, to walk worthy in the Lord. And then in chapter 2, a little bit later, verses 9 and 10, it makes it very clear. He says, For the entire fullness of God dwells, nature of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ, and you have been filled by him who is head over every ruler and authority. Uh, the NIV says it a little bit differently He's that, um, for this verse that we're talking about. He says, we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. I was reading this and, and trying to make sense of um, this trinity that I'm reading. And so I see it as we are filled with the Holy Spirit who empowers us to have wisdom and understanding to live out the gospel of Jesus Christ for the glory of the Father. And in doing this, we can now walk worthy of the Lord. In the Old Testament, they speak of this filling. Um, one passage is in Exodus 31, when uh, Be- Bezalel is uh, building the tabernacle. It says, the Lord has filled him with God's spirit, with wisdom, understanding, and the ability to craft. And so it's very important. We see that uh, God filled Bezalel with God's spirit, with wisdom, with understanding, and was given them the ability to carry it out. And it wasn't for any um, personal gain. It was for the glory of God. It was for his kingdom. It had a higher purpose that he gave it to him. So one thing that we want, I want to take away from in being filled here is that God wants to fill us and God desires that to impart to us his wisdom. And I don't really know how to even comprehend that. Uh, to get a glimpse that God would even allow us and desire for us to know him and have a wisdom that, he can on, that only he can give um, blows my mind. And it's very hard to actually digest that that is something he desires because we won't fully know all his desires. We won't know all his wills. We, 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 would, we don't know it all, but he seeks to give us direction in our life. And so we've talked a little bit about um, this uh, heresy creeping in, the Gnostic, Gnosticism creeping in. And obviously it's not Gnosticism here. Um, it's like a pre but some of the beliefs are creeping in in this chapter. And I think Paul is, is addressing that here with this being filled with the knowledge of his will because the Gnostics, they believe that they had like the special revelation from God that only, they, uh, that only they get from God. And Paul is saying like, no, I'm praying actively that you do not fall into this kind of thinking because you have the ability to, to be filled with the knowledge for yourself. You have the ability to understand God for yourself. And this is why he's praying that they would have spiritual wisdom and understanding so that they would not fall into the wisdom of the world. So 
applying this little section here, knowing his word helps us to know him more deeply and to know his will. So God desires for us to know him and his son and the power of the Holy Spirit that he gives and he imparts that to us. He, he, we, we have to find it by studying his word. Um, we have to find it by um, praying and knowing his heart. Um, it is something that we must know, but also we have to live. This morning, Dr. Spivey spoke about how uh, it's easier to talk the talk than walk the walk. And that's very applicable to this right here because Paul is saying, I want you to be filled with the knowledge but I also want you to walk it out, and I want you to live it out. And he gets to this point where he now lists two purposes, and that purposes, those purposes is that we see is to walk worthy of the Lord and to fully please him. So to walk worthy of the Lord, um, he goes and says that, we pray that you will be filled with the knowledge of his will and in all, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, so that you may walk worthy of the Lord fully pleasing him. So the more that we remember what Jesus did for us on the cross and the more that we understand it, the more we are able to live it out and, that, and, and become more like him. And we become more like him by knowing his heart and we live out his heart and we do it from a position of humility. Um, another way to understand this term walking worthy is to live a life worthy of the Lord. So since the very beginning uh, in Genesis, God talked to Abraham, and he says, uh, walk before me blameless. And that term to walk means to obey. So uh, in uh, another Testament, Deuteronomy 11 says, if you walk carefully, observe all these commands I am giving you to follow, to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience with him, and to hold fast to him. Then the Lord will drive out all these nations before you, and you will dispossess nations larger and stronger than you. So from the very beginnings here, he's saying, walk in obedience with what I have commanded. Proverbs 119 says, I gain understanding from your precepts. Therefore, I hate every wrong path. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. I have taken an oath and confirmed it that I will follow your righteous laws. So prior to Jesus, God gave the commands and the law in order that the Israelites would stay on the right path. We see that in order to stay on the right path, we must follow his precepts. We have to follow his law, and we do this according to his word that illumines our path. And it was their way, we know prior to Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection, that they followed these as a way to walk in accordance with his will and his commands. And now in Colossians, Paul is focusing on Jesus Christ. It's a very Christological text that we'll get into uh, throughout this whole series. But Paul is saying that Christ is now our image, our um, purpose for walking in accordance with his will. And we walk in a manner that is worthy because of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our example and he is why we're worth living. In Colossians 2, 6 through 7, Paul goes on to explain that he means, uh, he says here, so then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. So you receive him, now live, live him out. 
rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. A lot of that kind of blends in with what we talk about at the very end of this. But how do we walk worthy? How, how can we even do this? We can only walk worthy by the power of Christ and his um, death, on the, death and resurrection on the cross living in us. We cannot walk outside of Christ in our own flesh worthy. Uh, he's the only one that gives us that ability to walk worthy of him. And we are in desperate need all the time of how to walk right and to live a life that God calls us to live. To glorify ourselves um, and our accomplishments, that's not why we, 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 we live. We, we seem to be, uh, sometimes from the outside, we want to glorify ourselves and our accomplishments, and it's much easier to, um, to do, it feels like. But now we see that, um, why do we walk worthy? Why do we um, walk in a manner worthy so that we can please God? That is why we walk worthy. That is why we live. We don't do it to uh, glorify ourselves. We don't do it for our accomplishments. We do it to please the Lord. And we are not called to be people pleasers. We are called to please the Lord. And in 1 Thessalonians 2, it really addresses this. And in this passage, Paul was dealing with some people who were displeased. They were upset that, um, that Paul was preaching the gospel, and they, they, they were upset by that. And Paul says in that letter that they were called to preach despite hostility and despite the adversity. But he says, instead, just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please people, but rather God who examines our hearts. This is very rich. He, he's saying we have been approved by God. That in and of itself is a, a mind-boggling thing. But now we've been entrusted with the gospel. And when we get entrusted with the gospel, we don't just keep it here. We ought to speak it. And we speak it regardless of people uh, like it, regardless of um, people like Paul was addressing here, despite the hostility and adversity. We do it to please God, to let him be honored and glorified in our, in our actions. Romans 8.8 8 goes on, and kind of what we've talked about before is um, we cannot please God. We cannot walk worthy uh, in God. You, you could bring it if you want. Now I can talk a lot longer. Thank you. Um, we can't do that in our flesh. And Romans 8.8 8 says that. It says, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. So we see here that those who are in the flesh cannot please God. It's very cut and dry, very straightforward. And then he commends them and says, but you are not in the flesh, you are in the spirit. So walk worthy and pleasing the, God, the Father. So God gives us his will. He gives us his knowledge, his understanding, so that we may walk worthy, pleasing him in everything we do. And when we walk in accordance with his will, we not only walk with understanding, but we walk knowing that we are pleasing him. Paul does not leave us out here. He goes on to say how, um, how we can walk worthy and some very applicable reasonings on how to walk worthy. And he gives us three areas here. He says, by bearing fruit, pleasing God, bearing fruit in every good work, and growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance 
share, uh, with great endurance and patience. Um, so bearing fruit. We talked a little bit about bearing fruit this morning. But we see the same kind of language of bearing fruit in verse 6. Um, they have uh, fruit and it is growing all over the world. And now he's praying that the responsibility of the Colossian church be to go forth and bear fruit to others, showing them the gospel through actions. So one aspect of bearing fruit is to bear more fruit, to go out and share the, the word of God and bear more fruit. And another way is by simply, we know well, by growing in the fruits of the Spirit and growing in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And it goes on to say in that passage, the law is not against such things. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have been crucified, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. And so we see that the Lord gives us these fruits of the Spirit to live by, and because of this, we can now walk in step with the Spirit. We can now walk worthy in Him through, um, by these attributes that we read. And uh, He gets into two more of those in the end, but He goes on to say that bearing fruit in every good work. So we know well that works don't save, but uh, Ephesians says in uh, Ephesians 2.10, we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. And when we know God and when we understand his will and in it's in us, we naturally want to live out and do good works for him. And we live out those fruits of the spirit in everything that we do. So the next thing he says is, I want you to grow in the knowledge of God. Well, he's talked about two references to, to knowledge. Um, in verse six, he says, they knew the grace of God. So we can kind of see that they, they, came to an understanding of salvation. And in verse 9, he prays that they would have the knowledge of God's will, so the desire that they would study his word and to obey him. And now here, Paul is praying that basically <clears throat> that they would increase in knowledge of God. To increase in the knowledge of God is not taking just that knowledge of him, but now it's to know him personally, to, to have a relationship with him. It's good to be filled with knowledge. It's good to attend church, to be uh, educated, to, for me, you know, to go to the seminary and to have knowledge of um, the word and to, you know, have that knowledge. But if I'm not uh, applying that, if I'm not regularly making that part of uh, who I am and saying like, okay, the Lord has called me uh, and called us, uh, in throughout this, the scriptures. I mean, there's so many things to, to live for him. And so ultimately, Paul is praying that they would not just have head knowledge, but that they would have heart knowledge, that they would know his heart, that this walk is um, not a one-sided walk where God gives us all the grace, he gives us all the forgiveness, and we take it. We now take it and we do something with it. We now live it out. We now have joy. We now have peace. We now have all of these gifts of the Spirit, and now we point it to other people, and we share it with other people. And he then says, being strengthened in all power according to his glorious might, so that you may be, that you may have great endurance and patience. So this whole time, Paul is praying to the Colossians that they would, uh, praying to God 
for the Colossians, that they would know God's will and that they would be strengthened in his knowledge and understanding to live a life worthy and a life that pleases him. And here we get a sense of kind of applying that in action. To live out the Christian faith also means to endure trials, to exhibit patience, and in the end, to give thanks and to be joyful. Um, We can only know what that's like when we experience it. Um, and, and doing that in walking in favor with him. So this whole time Paul um, is praying this, and he's saying that you will, he will give you endurance and he will give you strength, uh, or he will give you patience. So to be strengthened with endurance means to have the capacity to continue to bear up under difficulties and difficult circumstances. It's much easier said than done. Like, I can endure these trials because God um, gave me the ability. That's much easier said than done. But he promises here, and Paul is praying, that they would be strengthened with endurance. The the next thing is patience. He means, uh, this means to have the emotional calmness to face trials without complaining. God gives us the patience to undergo a lot of heavy pressure and to undergo a lot of trials and as we know, the Christian life can't be lived out alone. It's not just like, just a, like we've talked about, a little a, a take um, type of relationship. It's uh, something that we share with Christ. And Christ is giving a promise here. He's um, saying that he can, being strengthened, that God strengthen us, strengthens us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And what is that power? This power kind of goes back to the fruits of the Spirit that Christ has given us the power to, in, to live out the gospel by enduring the trials, by enduring hardships, by enduring difficulties. And he gives us patience, he gives us kindness, and he gives us understandings of all these things. It is the power of God that we walk each day and we can maintain joy in suffering and to exhibit kindness to others and to endure trials without complaining or without re- retaliation. And this power of God that we can ex- uh, exhibit, now we ought to be very thankful. We should be filled with joy. And he gives us that joy. And he says that, joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance and the light. Um, this, means, this is the means of walking worthy. When we submit to the Lordship of Christ, he indwells us with the power And now Paul is saying, joyfully give thanks to God for this because we are unworthy of it. We uh, are not worthy of anything that he's just given us here in this text. And we ought to be thankful for the salvation to God by his son through the Holy Spirit. And every single day, like especially for us who have been Christians for a while, sometimes it can be easy to forget that we were given this, um, this inheritance that we're speaking of here, that, that God promised and has qualified us for an inheritance. There's not a single thing we did to, to get this inheritance. And he's given it freely for us and has promised that we have an inheritance in heaven and we can share that with the saints. But it is God who qualified us. It is God who enabled us to even have the chance to inherit the kingdom. And because of that, 
we ought to joyfully give thanks to him all the time in everything that we do. And as we walk and as we live in the world, Paul has kind of laid out this roadmap for them. And so kind of summarizing this entire text, to walk worthy, and I'm so sorry, I'm going to do it. You cannot walk worldly. To walk worthy, you cannot walk worldly. We cannot expect to be in God's will if we are not in God's word. If you're struggling to know the direction of your life or to, to know your next steps, or to, um, if you're really desiring the Lord to reveal something to you, but you're not in his word and you're not praying and you're not actively seeking to know him, there, there, there's no reason that the Lord should reveal and give all these to you. We have to be at a point where we uh, humble ourselves and we ask the Lord through our relationship with him to reveal it to us and to obey it and to live it out. And that's the next part is to walk worthy, you must also be living out his will by being obedient to his commands and living it out with a sincere heart. We must live out what we know and we must produce good works for uh, him. And he is the one who gives us the desire for those good works. He is the one who ultimately even gives us the ability to do good, period. And so we ought to be living that out and we ought to be um, serving him. And the next thing is our aim in walking worthy is to please him. Uh, I forgot to put down the notation. I think it's in 2 Corinthians 7, if I had to guess. But it says this, yes, we are fully confident and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies for then we will be at home with the Lord. So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please him. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good and evil we have done in this earthly body. So we see Paul here is wrestling in this text with the pains and the sufferings of this world. And he says, I would rather be at home with the Father. But until I'm at home with the Father, my goal, my aim in life is to please him. And we can do that because God gives us the endurance, like we talked about, and the patience and the ability to have joy in pleasing him. And as we conclude, I want to just pray this prayer over us. A lot of times we read this and we can either be quick to say that sounds really good and move on or, um, for my sake, break it down and try to understand every piece of it. Um, but one thing that we can do is when we're struggling to pray, when we don't know what to pray, when we're kind of stagnant in our prayers, we can pray the Bible. And I want to pray the Bible, um, this passage, over us as we finish. Dear Lord, we just thank you for this text and for um, Paul telling the Colossians how he's praying for them. And Lord, I pray right now over each person here that, um, that we would always remember each other in our prayers, that we would not stop praying for one another like Paul said, that we would be filled with the knowledge of your will. And Lord, that's a lot um, to handle right there. And I pray that each one of us would uh, know your will, to seek your will, and that you would impart to each one of us the wisdom that you have and the uh, understanding to follow your will. God, I pray right now that they would also walk worthy of the Lord with an aim to please you 
we fall short, God, but we aim to please you, God. And I pray that we would walk worthy and, and in a manner that is pleasing to you. God, as well, I pray that we each here would bear fruit in every good work, that we would make disciples, that we would grow in uh, whether it be um, joy, whether it be um, patience, whatever we need that the Spirit gives, I pray that we would grow in that. And God, I pray that we would also grow in the knowledge of you, but also the knowledge of your word and what you would have us to do. Um, impart into us and draw closer to us, God, and help us to know you, your heart, and help us to live that heart out. Lord, I also pray that you would fill each one of us with the power of your peace, that you would fill us with the power of um, your glorious might, that you would fill us with great endurance, that you would strengthen us with patience, and Lord, that we would ultimately give thanks to you, and we would ultimately be filled with joy. And Lord, we thank you for this inheritance that you speak of, that, that you've even allowed us to have. Thank you that we, unworthy, are now worthy because you have deemed us worthy by your Son and his death and resurrection, Lord, that we can now live forever with you. And I pray until that day comes that we would please you, that we would walk worthy of you, and that we would draw nearer and know you more closely. Amen.